This is the Scamp Life Podcast, a weekly show for summer camp professionals. Hosted by Kurt Jackson, Chris Callow, and Kelly Cook. Now it's time for another entertaining episode exploring the fantastical world of summer camp. Welcome to the Scamp Life Podcast. There are four of us here today. I'm excited. As always, with me is Kurt and Kelly, and my name is Chris. And today we are welcoming a very special guest with us. Laura, will you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. My name is Laura Kriegel, and I'm uh, one of the founders and now the executive director at Camp Stomping Ground, which is in upstate New York. Yeah. You guys have the the cape, the kid with the cape logo. That's right. right yeah. The kid with the cape. Yes. I love that logo. That's awesome. Laura, what, what is your background? Um, I undergrad, I studied um, painting and drawing. So I have a degree in visual arts. Um, and then I just finished my master's in social work. So I have oh, an MS. Well. Thank you. Big deal. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And then did you work at camps? Uh other other camps i know yes. i know you, you had the big the three-year road trip right. but yeah, yeah. The, the epic road trip yeah my my camp story is i um i grew up going to camp stella maris on the finger lakes it's on canisius lake um and knew that i loved like the community of camp from that experience i wasn't i, I didn't really love being a camper to be honest i was also probably the first time I was a camper was when I was 15 years old um so i was a late time late camper <clears throat> my idea i remember my mom won't let me forget it now that I'm a camp director. But when she would say, you know, all your friends are going to camp, um, I would say, why would I want to go to camp? I don't want somebody to tell me what to do during the summer. Like it's my summer vacation. Like that's not school time. So um, yeah, pretty, pretty precocious and independent kid maybe, but um, the, the, being a staff member at Stalamaras was really what sparked my interest in camps and camp communities. Um, Yeah. And then after that, I traveled around the country um, with my co-founder, Jack, and we visited over 250 different summer camps from coast wow. to coast um, and had a chance to just pick people's brains, people who were smarter than us and had spent their careers like developing these small intentional communities we call summer camps. Um, and, and I learned a ton, was able to share some of those best practices with the rest of the industry. Um, and along the way, we worked at uh, several different camps, we worked at YMCA Camp Seymour out in Tacoma, Washington. We worked at a camp called Vander Camp in Syracuse, New York. Um, and, and volunteered at a bunch of different places as well. But everybody would always ask us, are you going to start a camp? Like, what's the end goal here? Mm -hmm. And we were always like, no way you can't start a camp. You need all the seed money and like property and all this stuff. And, um, it just seemed so far out of reach. Um, but eventually we talked with Scott Arizala, who is a -hmm. trainer and consultant, Mm -hmm. um, big name in the camp world. And he was like, you know, you could just rent a camp and try your ideas out and do it for a week and see what happens. And um, so that's how Stomping Ground got started. Just one week. Nice. So uh, what would you say is your favorite camp song? My favorite camp song? (laughs) Oh boy. I I like the the llama song, the the happy llama, sad llama, (laughs) really, really mad llama. I like, I like the hand motion. Yeah, that's the one. I like the hand motions. I like I like the different varieties. I like how fast it can go. Um, it's interesting. The camp that I grew up going to uh, was a um, 
a Catholic camp. And so we did a lot of mass songs. Um, we mm. didn't bring a lot of those to Stomping Ground. Stomping Ground is not religiously affiliated, <laughs> um, but but collected some songs from our road trip. I would say that neither Jack or I are very musical, not that you need to be musical to sing camp songs, but um, we, we are still in the process of collecting good, good campfire songs. I don't think that's a huge part of our tradition. Now, when I think of mass songs, I don't really think of anything campy. I mean, <laughs> happy Jesus, sad Jesus. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Here's your camp version of that. That's good. <laughs> That's funny. What is your favorite camp game or activity? The programming at Stomping Ground is, is, uh, it's it's structured um but it it also has an element of like freedom to it and so the uh the main camp area that has all of our different program areas in it is constantly staffed we call it downtown stomping ground and within that campers can float between different areas and get up to kind of whatever they want it's a little bit like a choose your own adventure book or being at a buffet where you get to put whatever you want on your plate and my favorite program area within that downtown stomping ground space is our adventure playground, um, which is like a, a fort building area where mm -hmm. kids get to use real tools to build real things and they stay up in the woods forever. Nice. Awesome. That's that cool. So, okay. If you weren't in camping, what do you think you'd be doing instead? Well, I probably, oh gosh. Um, once upon a time, I probably would have moved to New York and tried to make it as an artist. Um, oh, but now I think if I wasn't in camping, I would probably be a social worker. I would probably go and work in a, a social service agency. I don't think I would be a school social worker necessarily, but some somehow helping out the community um, as a social service person. I mean, if, you're, if your hard. mom didn't send you to camp when you were a kid, you wouldn't be here today. It's, it's very true. It's very true. Right. All because of Janice. Thank you, sliding, Janice. Sliding <laughs> so can you kind of give us like a quick overview of Camp Stomping Ground, kind of your, well, your origin story kind of, I guess, transformed from this road trip, but yeah, just kind of an overview of, of Camp Stomp, Stomping Ground. Yeah, sure. The, the program itself, I think, is really born out of the idea that kids learn best how to make decisions by making them and not always by following adult directions. I think adult, well, well-meaning adults who are attracted to working at camps like we all work at are um, like perfect role models for kids. And oftentimes in spaces like camps, a lot of the rules are designed for adult convenience. And so at Stomping Ground, um, we tried initially to really remove a lot of that and figure out like, how do we really create a kid directed kid led space to get them to learn how to start to make decisions and figure out that their decisions then impact themselves, um, those around them and the larger community. Um, so that was the original idea. Uh, it, the first summer of camp was a complete and utter disaster, like the worst nightmare of your life kind of like <laughs> burned burned every staff out completely and these um, were all your have, friends right and these were all our friends yeah. Yes, we had, <laughs> yeah we had we had convinced 23 of our best friends to come and work volunteer for us for this week and we were like yeah it's gonna be great what could go wrong we're gonna have <laughs> you know we're gonna have 64 kids and they're just gonna get to like invent stuff all week it's gonna be magical and of course it was a total disaster like we had no systems in place and quickly learned that like no rules camp you know is is just uh chaos in not, not the fun way, not a good yeah. chaos. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the first week was really challenging, but I think we've retained a lot of those 
ideas about um, kid directed learning and uh, like helping kids see how their decisions impact others. I think the, the key component that was brought in the, the next summer of Stomping Ground was the idea about, okay, so now we, we, we know we care about giving kids choice. We care, we know we care about giving kids the ability to like make decisions, but when those things kind of, when, when our community gets into conflict with each other, what are the systems going to be to solve some of those things? And that's where um, I got really invested into restorative practices and restorative justice. And so now I think a big piece of our program is empowering kids to see the power that they have um, within the decisions that they make to um, resolve those conflicts that come up in a community in a, um, like a collaborative and restorative way um, that, that, sees conflict and in a, as a possibility for innovation rather than disconnection. Hmm. So right now, so Stomping Ground, you guys have your own place now, right? We do. Yes, we and do. Where is that at? That's We're located in... in Middle Grove, New York. Um, it's an old Boy Scout uh, site. Um, and yeah, we just spent uh, two years resurrecting the property and um, launched our first summer at the new site this past year. Yeah. You, I was following you guys because I was so excited. I'm like, yay, 2020 is going to be their first year. It's going to be amazing. I can't wait to see. And then it wah, was wah. 2020. Wah, wah. <laughs> yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah, but no, that's awesome. So are you guys residential or are you a day camp? Yeah, we're a residential program. Um, we serve kids ages six to 16. Um, we have our, our, our goal is about to have about 150 kids on site at a time. Wow. Uh, this past summer we had, I think our biggest week was 94. Um, wow. and that was mostly due to like cutting back and, um, like pandemic restrictions. We didn't want to like yeah. overpack camp. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know that. Yeah. How many weeks? Um, well, we just transitioned from a one week program, which was what we had done up until last year to now being a two week program. And I think we're going to stick with two weeks. We like the way that worked. Um, so we'll run four two-week sessions. Um, wow. Three three of those sessions are uh, like a regular main camp program. And one of those sessions, it's the third session, is an arts fest program that's only for kids ages 12 to 17. So it's a teen camp um, and it's all about um, arts stuff. It's a, a con- like a conservatory style program. So you've got we have um, like the Writers Guild and the Painters gotcha. Guild and musicians and um, drama students and things like that. And we bring in a lot of artists and residents to come and share with kids their real skills and careers as artists in whatever profession they've chosen. We had some writers come through this year. We've had um, dancers and actors come through in the past. Lots of visual artists as well. Cool. Um, yeah. Uh, Laura, it's obviously mm-hmm. been an evolution, this, yeah. this camp. So from like when you started to now, what are some of the changes that you've made that you're like really proud of? Mm, you mean like programmatically or just yeah, a program? Um, I mean, yeah, just with anything, it could be staffing, it could be mm-hmm. marketing, whatever. Hmm. That's a good question. What are some of the changes that we've made that I'm really proud of? Um, I think like the, the forming of the um, conflict or resolution mm-hmm. system is the thing that I'm probably the most proud of. Um, and um, our, that's a, that's our, a key component of camp. Like when you say, yeah. Hey, here's what our camp's about and to parents, that's kind of a, a big part yeah. of it. 
Yeah. And I think we, uh, I'm working with Allison Klee, who was our, our camp director last year and had been for a few years. She's now going back to social work school herself. Um, but her and I have kind of started launching through the summer camp society, um, restorative justice trainings for mm-hmm. camp directors. Um, cause I think that the really amazing thing about camps is they're like 90% restorative already. Mm-hmm. Um, that just built into the idea of camp is it's all about community, right? It's all about right. community and values. And so taking that final, that last final step, I think is so easy for so many camps. And then summer camps can be a space for the rest of the world to look at and say, wow, solving conflict in this way really works. Look at these like communities that have figured it out and do it well. And I think schools are trying to implement it and all this stuff, but camps have so much less um, restrictions placed on them and so much more control Mm -hmm. put in the people who run Mm -hmm. them that it's, I think, easier for them to implement these kinds of systems. So I would say the restorative practices component of camp is, is one of the changes we've made over the evolution of or the history of camp that I'm the most proud of. Um, Yeah. So tell me, what are some of the struggles of starting a camp Mm -hmm. versus maybe renting someone else's Mm -hmm. camp or what, what maybe is even your more favorite, your more preferred? (laughs) Like great question, but you're talking specifically about like starting a camp, like owning the property or or renting a property. Yeah. I loved that we, um, there's so many pros and cons to each side. I think that it was, um, really nice to just be able to, uh, not have to worry about it for the, for the majority of the year. Um, we would just kind of move our U-Haul, U-Haul truck in, unpack everything, set it up. Um, the toilet paper was purchased for us. The, like, (laughs) you know, the, all the cleaning supplies were just there. We didn't have to order any of that stuff. Um, we did always provide our own food service and our own like lifeguards and things like that. So I know some uh, programs that are that are starting up or renting other properties, all that stuff gets provided for them. But we'd always done all of that stuff. Um, so that wasn't as big of a transition for us. But yeah, I would say just, um, you know, the, the something breaks and you're able to call the maintenance guy who knows the property, like the back of his hand, his name was Larry, um, the guy who worked at the maintenance the, the guy facilities caretaker that used to work at the property that we used to rent. Um, he was wonderful and he was always available and he, um, mowed the grass for us and it was great. Um, and so, so many of those things that we never had to worry about, um, let us kind of, I think, push our program in the direction we wanted to, cause we didn't have to think about those things. Yeah. Owning a property though, um, is, is way better. I'm we're still, <laughs> yeah. we're, we're still, we're still just getting over kind of like the, whoa, that was a really like tall hill to climb. And we're like mm-hmm. almost at the top, I think of like making the site actually work for us. Um, but not the fact that we just can leave stuff at the end of the year and not put <laughs> it back in a, in a U-Haul is like incredible, you know? And the fact that we can, um, paint, the buildings the way we want to and leave the adventure playground up for kids to come back to next year. All that stuff um, is only going to make it, uh, make it better. And I'm, yeah, we were so lucky to have found this particular property just really fits our needs. You know, there was somebody out there that wanted to kind of start their own program. Mm-hmm. They really don't mm-hmm. have funds for a, a new, their own place. Would you recommend renting? I think so. Yeah. I think for, I think it's the easiest way to kind of not have to worry about all of that stuff and test out your ideas and like, um, get the right people on the bus and do all of the like other stuff that you have to yeah. do as a camp director and not have to, that, that is really what running a camp is, is like 
figuring out who the people are and what you care about. Um, and then once you figure out those two things, owning the property, or that, I guess that's just my opinion, like the property comes next. It's like where you do it, it could happen in a million different places. Uh, and the property will change your program for sure. But knowing kind of who, who it is that makes it work and then what it is, um, is more important than where it is. When did you guys decide that it was kind of time to take on that owning your own facility versus renting? Yeah, I'll throw it all to Jack here. He, um, I, I was in grad school and he was looking for, we have always been looking for the, the perfect home for stomping ground. Um, and he's got all kinds of Google alerts set up on his computer. So every time like camp came up for sale, like, you know, he would be notified or whatever. Um, and it, it, there was a newspaper article that he found that said old boy scout camp, you know, goes up for sale. And the, the story is that it, um, it goes up for sale and the town, uh, tries to buy it. The town of Milton tries to buy it. And, something political happens where like the town leaders don't aren't all on the same page it's a small town and the deal fell through and so now the boy scouts are looking at selling to developers i think it might have even been like a self storage unit or something like that and so at this point um uh, uh he is truly camp's guardian angel but a man named john munter stepped in and said I'll purchase the property to, to save it from being developed on. And my goal is to have it remain a summer camp. Um, he's an 82 year old man. He's got um, a, an industrial construction company that his sons now run, um, but he you know, isn't going to start his own program. He was really looking for a program that could move in. And were there any kind of must haves that you guys were looking for when it came to finding a property? Um, we wanted a lake. Um, that was a big deal for us. We definitely wanted some waterfront. Um, we ended up with two lakes, but they're more like ponds. They're very small. Um, do you own and, the whole pond too, or do you have to share mm -hmm. it? No, we own the whole thing. I, I mean, very small. We're talking okay. about you can, you, can, <laughs> if you can swim several times across it in one sitting. Um, Still counts. Still counts. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> let's see what else. I, I think that I was really in, in traveling around and looking at a bunch of different properties and programs. Um, the dining hall is like, the heart and soul of any camp. And so I was pretty particular about what kind of dining hall we would inherit. I love our dining hall. It's got a huge wall of windows that faces the lake, which is great. Nice. Um, it was designed in 1964 and uh, was meant to look like a platform tent. So it's got kind of a cool roof cool. shape. It's, it's really fun. It's really fun. It has a wooden ceiling and a wooden floor. Um, so it's pretty rustic feeling. And so you own, John is not like a part owner you own no it? no he sold it to stomping ground gotcha how how did you finance this great question again um <laughs> we, we munter has been very generous with us and uh we have like a um kind of a long-term uh payment plan set up but nice. um we also did a big capital campaign and raised the money we needed to to not only purchase but renovate the property yeah. um, i'm looking at pictures of your camp online that's a decent size lake that's you think? Big. Oh, good. Yeah. I'm glad you said that. <laughs> I, so my waterfront is a creek. So anything bigger than that is. I've got a pond right. too. There you go. <laughs> does Does your lake have a special name? Did you name anything? Um, it doesn't right now. It's actually called Fink Brook because it's a damned brook. There's the maybe the coolest thing about the property or the or the lake. This is so um, 
uh, it's like going to be camp lore someday, I think, but you can, oh, there's a drain at the bottom of the lake and you go out there in the fall every year in a canoe and you twist open the drain and like a bathtub, the, the, um, pot, the, the lake just what? That's like out. a cartoon. It's wild. I know it feels <laughs> like, and it's just like, you can see the nozzle like sticking out of the water all the time. So, um, yeah, kids tried to do it. Uh, <laughs> No, and we haven't told the teenagers that that's how you drink the lake yet. So, yeah. so then does yeah. it just refill with lake or uh, mountain runoff? Yeah, so same way you open it, same way you close it, you go out there in the spring and we, we you know, put the trap door back down and it plugs up and um, and then the, the, the stream, it's a dammed brook, so the stream kind of refills the lake. It takes like a day to empty and mm. fill the lake. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Now, you're a nonprofit, right? Mm-hmm. So yes, you have a board of directors. Mm-hmm. Any advice on working with a board of directors? Or, you know. Yeah, great question. Great question. I think that um, the success we've had with our board of directors has really been like um, being really transparent with them. And they've been on board since the beginning of mm-hmm. the, the starting of, of camp. So they kind of know how we work and what we care about. And um, they feel very in line with our mission, which we're, I'm really grateful for. I think um, over the next few years, now that we've got a property, we're going to be expanding the board and kind of shifting some of those roles around. And so it'll be interesting to see how um, it changes how camp works, because I think right now we're all very much in line and it's a pretty streamlined, agile process. Um, but as we build more capacity on the board, it'll probably help with fundraising on one hand, but it probably will also be more to manage eventually. So what was the most difficult thing about running your first year of camp during a pandemic? Oh my God. That's the, that's the, you hit the button there. That's wrong. (laughs) Yeah, there was a lot. We struggled, I think, a lot this summer. I mean, staffing was really, really hard. And I'm hearing from a lot of camp directors that that was like, that's just a theme in our industry, but also outside of the industry, obviously. Um, I feel like every newspaper article or headline or newscast I listen to is talking about um, staffing shortages, but I think more even than like folks quitting or not being able to getting burned out and not lasting the whole summer was just like all of the like social emotional baggage that people brought back from the pandemic to the first real gathering or real job they'd had in person in over a year. Um, so that was, that was tough. I, I would say, you know, I felt equipped to handle a lot of the, um, camper social, emotional stuff. Um, but the staff stuff was difficult. I think that we, um, we could have used more support. We could have used a lot more kind of like what, you know, one of the things that, that we tried to do kind of midsummer was give people more time off, give people more breaks, which you know how hard it is when you're like, that, that's what everybody's asking for. And you're like, I understand how that would be nice for you. But like, can you just look at the spreadsheet of staff and like, this isn't going to work. Like we just right. need, we need people on at these times or whatever. But the fact we, of giving you time yeah. off, I'm here to ask you to work more. Yeah. <laughs> like what? No. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, while people were dropping like flies over here, there are the people who are remaining are saying like, I'm not going to be able to stay if I have to do you know, all these jobs. And so I think that that was tough. That was really tough. Um, and, uh, we, um, we, we kind of cut down, like this was the first summer we ran weekend programming because we had kids for two weeks. And so what we tried to do was during the weekend, be really upfront and honest with campers and say, we're going to give staff a whole 12 hours to go do 
them and take mm-hmm. off, um, get off site, do whatever they need to do. And as a result, the programming is going to look a lot different on the weekends. We're going to take it from like an 11 where we're normally at a camp down to like a two. And we're going to just like do um, laundry. The, yeah, we're going to do <laughs> exactly. We're going to do laundry. We're going to grab our towels. We're going to go sit on the beach. We're going to like read books yeah. and take naps and uh, write letters home and like chill out and that it's going to be good for everybody. And so I think, um, I think giving, you know, that was a, that was a last minute change. I was like, we done it one way. The first session quickly figured out that was not Mm -hmm. sustainable or successful. And then kind of figured out how to give more folks more time off, um, for the rest of the summer. And I think that, that, I think that that worked well. And I think we'll continue to go in that direction. And I think the key there was just being honest with kids and saying like, this isn't going to be like regular camp. Are your parents really receptive to like the constant change. adjustments and change and pivots and everything? Yeah. Throw? Jack gives a great speech where he talks at the end when parents are picking up kids about how like one of the biggest parts about camp that we are proud of and it's not going to change is that we are really honest when we make mistakes and that like mistakes shouldn't be this thing that people are like um, ashamed of, or like, you know, that, that signal failure in some way, it's like, yeah, we made a mistake and we didn't have bedtimes the first summer, or like we made a mistake and, you know, worked staff through the weekend and noticed that like everybody wanted to quit. Um, so we wanted to go back and say, like, here's what we're going to do instead. And I think narrating for parents around making mistakes and letting kids in on the idea that like, yeah, grownups make mistakes too. It's okay. Um, has been, uh, like key, kind of like communication or marketing with parents. So now they're more willing to say like, yeah, I trust that, you know, even if we make some mistakes, we're going to be upfront about what that looks like and then keep moving forward. Now we, we started off this, this podcast started off as a program podcast. Like that was kind of our main thing Mm -hmm. because Kurt and I are very programmy. And so, Mm -hmm. and even though we've expanded and now we're all of summer camp life, I'm still programmy. So I want to know, is there any cool, super cool programmy things that, that I can, can steal? mainly steal? Yeah, that's <laughs> exactly. that's Chris. I'm looking, I'm looking at this picture of a uh, adventure playground and that is yeah. definitely something I'm stealing. Oh, so. it's so fun. Chris, you got to look up, like we didn't come up with the idea of an adventure playground. There, there are like, um, originally like a European thing. Um, so there's, there's adventure playground. There's like legit adventure playgrounds in like Denmark where they give kids like matches and stuff. We don't do that. But like really wild, cool stuff. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Flamethrowers. No, but we, Chris, (laughs) (laughs) you got look up those, but then also, also look up governor's Island. And then there's an adventure playground in Berkeley, California. And those are, those are two places that um, were really inspiring to us as we started building our own um, but, but it's not a, it's not an original stomping ground idea. Um, and there's a lot of like, you can get certified as a play worker and starting your own adventure playground and all this kind of stuff. Oh. Um, so there's a, yeah, there's a lot out there about them. Um, other cool programming things. I would say we, uh, one of the things that in, in traveling around and seeing other places, I think my, I, everybody does their own version of an evening program. Our version of the evening program is often more like LARP based than a lot of programs. We do a lot of like storytelling style. Uh, you kind of like step into like another universe and like get to 
play with swords like foam swords or fun noodles and defeat kind of like you know you're like protecting a town and there's like invaders coming in it's like that kind of storytelling um so we do a lot of that oh this is a a programming one i'm always like excited to share um we use a we we get about 400 tennis balls donated each year um and we use tennis balls in every program (laughs) every night game wendy loves it wendy um thinks that they're all for her but they're uh it's very easy to get tennis balls donated because you can only bounce a tennis ball so many times i guess and so like tennis clubs don't use them after a certain period of time and so yeah we have tons and tons of tennis balls so laura if somebody were looking to start their own camp yeah yeah what advice would you have like where do they start are there any good resources yeah. Call, call Jack or, or call me. I think I'm, I, um, I, I love that question. I love talking about how to start a camp. And I think, I think my biggest piece of advice is just really figure out what you care about. Like what, what is the thing that you could bring to, to a program or to a bunch of kids that would be, um, motivating to you like Mm -hmm. I think the question you have to ask yourself if you're trying to start your own program is what kind of a camp would you want have wanted to go to as a kid and have wanted to work at as a staff member and once you've got the answer to that question then just have fun go do it so we all as camp directors get this question and hate this question about what we do in the off season oh I know. The worst. It's yes. The worst. So, so besides the typical mm-hmm. everything we plan in the off season, sure. uh, what do you, do you as stomping ground do when you are not planning for camp? God, you know, it's a great question coming from you, Kelly, because I just know that you know all the like background. Work. <laughs> when I get that question from like, I was just uh, out to coffee with like a camper parent in town and I, I had your daughter at my camp this summer. So like you, you saw how hard we worked to make that work. And you asked me what I do the rest of the year. <laughs> Ouch, you know, but I know that you guys know all the work that goes into making camp work. I think during the rest of the year, stomping ground um, is really focused on uh, we're going to be really focused on community engagement because we're in a new community now. So we're going to start to build relationships with the local, um, local space, this new space. Yeah. The natives. (laughs) And then, um, uh, we're also, um, uh, working on some podcasts of our own. We've done a lot of, um, like kind of follow the stomping ground story podcast. We have a podcast called building the building a stomping ground. Um, and it like interviews staff and talks about the property and those kinds of things. Um, and then we've got a, um, a podcast called inspiring radical empathy. And that one is mostly about, um, restorative practices and restorative justice and how all of that plays into camp. Um, I would say another thing that we're looking at or launching in in the coming year is more restorative justice trainings for other camp directors as well. Um, And then forming, I think that I spend a lot of time in the off season also forming partnerships, like intentional partnerships with um, communities that don't have a lot of access to camps um, and figuring out how to get those kids into our program. So do you do like campy things in the off season at all, or is it? I would love, love to go in that direction. Our pro, our property does not have any winter water. So we really are a, a two, three season Cause you're facility. draining it all. Yeah. Cause we take it all out and <laughs> give it, yeah. Give it down to the brook. Uh, no, but we, we, I think, I think we're going to go in that direction. This is, this will now be the second winter we have with the property. 
I think, I think it's somewhere down the road. We, we would, I would love to do some kind of winter program. Everybody's the, the families that we have coming to summer ground are, are asking for that. They're like, can I send my, my kid mm-hmm. to you on, on spring break or whatever? So I think we'll go in that direction, especially now that we have a place to bring kids. Um, we'll do all kinds of retreats and stuff. Um, but we haven't done that yet. So what's, what's next for camp stomping ground? Uh, well, we're, we're going to run our first annual fall festival on October 30th hey. and I, yeah, and I'm very preoccupied with what that looks like. It'll be our first kind of like introduction to the community. We did not do a good job. There's a struggle for you, Kelly. We did not do a good job introducing ourselves to the, uh, the community, right. As we bought camp, we were like tunnel vision, like make the water work and like, you know, rerun the electricity sure, and like sure. figure out how to have a property. Um, and we did not do a good job of, of introducing ourselves to the local community, um, or engaging the local community at all. Um, and I think, you know, we blamed it on the pandemic too, cause we were like, well, we can't, we can't go have coffee with so-and-so cause you can't go inside places and you can't like, it was, it felt like, you know, it, we needed to just like hunker down and do what we needed, but now we're, so we're kind of a year later going to do a ribbon cutting ceremony on the 30th where we're going to invite everybody out to camp and then kind of give, uh, like reintroduce ourselves and say, yeah, we already ran the summer program and here's this, here's what spots look like to send your kids here this summer. Um, and you know, here's how you can use this site if you live nearby. Are you far from like the town? Saratoga Springs is like the nearest bigger town area. And it's maybe 15 minutes from camp. Okay. 12 miles. Okay. Yeah. Laura. Yes. If someone, you know, one of the listeners wants to support what you're doing, is there a way to do that? Yeah. Um, you can head to our website um, and there's a join our, our newsletter. Um, we can keep you updated that way. Follow us on social media. There's also a donate link on the website. Hey, there you go. <laughs> oh, we also have, oh, this is a fun thing. Maybe is like a kind of a programming piece too, but we've had a lot of success with, um, uh, monthly donor clubs. This was, a, a, a Jack idea is brilliant as always. Mm-hmm. And, um, the monthly donors are, we have two clubs. The one is called the flying squirrels and it's um, mainly for folks um, that identify with like the millennial generation. You don't have to be a millennial to be a part of it, but um, there it's often former staff who've joined this group and they donate some amount of money each month. And then we throw mostly online events for them someday in-person events um, for them. Um, and then we have an, uh, uh, monthly giving group called the embers circle. And those are for mostly staff parents or camper parents who have oh. been like, um, involved with camp in some way. And they give monthly as well. Nice. So if you're interested, you can join one of those groups. There you go. Well, I see you even have an artist residency. So anybody nearby maybe can come out and teach and do stuff there. Yeah. We're always looking That's for people so who cool. want to come and be artists and join the program that way. So you said people can reach out to you if they have questions about some different things. What is the best way for people to reach you? Yeah, my um, email address is laura at campstompingground.org. And you can also, my, my, my cell is all over the website if you want to just call me too. But the other way to kind of keep in touch with Stomping Ground is to follow us on Instagram at Camp Stomping Ground um, or on Facebook. And um, the, the the wonderful Allison Klee manages those two accounts. I won't take credit for those. Well, it has been awesome having you on with us. Yes. Thank you so much this for was taking too the time. Fun. Yeah, yeah, thanks for having me. 
Well, Laura, thank you so much for coming and joining us today. I probably still have about 45 questions for you. So uh, just for me and my own personal needs here at my camp. <laughs> so they, I, I had, like I said earlier, I have been following you guys. It has been exciting to watch your journey and just see where you're at. So thank you for joining and kind of sharing with us and our listeners kind of how they can start their own camps if they want to. And from everyone else here at Scamp Life Podcast, thank you for listening. Thank you for being a part of this episode. From around the campfire, this is Chris. This is Kurt. And Kelly. See ya.